The wind blows against your old, thin jacket. You're late. Whether or not you get to keep your job at the local fast food joint is down to a few seconds. You pull the opening of your jacket tighter as if it will keep out the autumn chill. Then you stretch your legs a little more every step. Soon you make it inside the restaurant and it's 7.59. You made it. In fact, you're a few seconds early. You rush behind the counter to clock in and only after you slide your employee card over the point of sale system do you realize it. The awful silence. This place that smells of putrid, greasy meat, it's always full of hustle and bustle of customers, of employees hating their jobs. But you're alone, no employees, no customers, no sounds of movement. Better yet, the place is clean, as if no customer had set foot in the building today. What's going on? A chill creeps up your spine, it's not the cold. No, you're plenty warm now. It's because nothing feels right. You question whether this job is really worth it, then decide to head back to the lobby door. You tell yourself that maybe you forgot it was a holiday, so you push against the lobby door and it won't budge. You're locked inside. You try to exit through the back where the trash is rolled in and out, but it's locked too. Taking a seat in an empty lobby booth, you try to breathe. You try to gather yourself when the intercom suddenly crackles to life. Somehow, with no one else in the restaurant, the intercom plays what sounds like a news report. Local woman found dead in home after record storm. What does that mean? All you can do now is listen. Suddenly, the speaker laughs and says your name. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have come to work today, he says as tears fall from your eyes. Terrible things can happen at work. Just let me show you. It's time you know. It's time everyone knows this world is a strange one. Number one, Firefighters, submitted by Shanae R. When I was nine years old, my dad was a firefighter. When I was that young, I didn't understand why my dad left my mother. I never understood the events that caused him to do that. But now that I'm older, now that I've heard his story, I understand and I'm quite disturbed by it. One day, my dad was at home. We lived in a very secluded area. Our house is surrounded by woods that seem to go on forever. Nothing bad usually happens out there. The worst I'd ever heard of was a break-in and even then all they did was steal food. Well, that night my family and I were watching a movie together until suddenly my dad's work phone went off. I clearly remember that sound, that ringtone. When we heard it, it meant dad had to go on an emergency or fire call, that even if he had the day off, 
he would still have to leave. He grabbed the phone, checked it, and said that he had to go. My mom, being the worrisome type, asked what was going on. He laughed, told her not to worry, saying that it was just a cat stuck on someone's roof. So he got into his old truck and drove down to the station. His boss informed him when he arrived, they had received a call from an old man, someone who wasn't capable of climbing a ladder if he tried. He lived further away from the city than we did. As no one else answered the call, my father had to go alone. It could have been unnerving for him to go alone like that, but the situation didn't sound too terrible. In fact, it sounded more like a nice little drive that he needed. So he got ready, hopped in the fire truck, and set off to the location. After a 30 minute drive, after not seeing another house for miles, he rolled up to an old home that seemed to be in the middle of decay. He parked on the side of the road and looked onto the roof, expecting to see the cat up there. But at the moment, he couldn't see or hear anything. My dad began to regret coming here at all. It was dark, he was alone, and he couldn't even find what he had come for. He grabbed a flashlight, then got out of the vehicle. Cautiously, he walked up to the front door of the house, pointing the flashlight onto the roof, trying to see if he could find this supposed cat. Then he knocked on the door. There was no answer. He waited a little while in the quiet night before he tried again. This time, he knocked a bit louder, but still, there was no answer. Frustrated, my dad sighed, then walked around to the back to see if he could find the cat on the roof over there, and perhaps he would run into the person who made the call. As he slowly walked around the house, still scanning with his flashlight, he called out, hello, is there anyone here? Somebody called for emergency services. But still, there was nothing. He walked around the entirety of the house, scanning every inch of the roof of the place. He never saw or heard a cat. He never saw a trace of a living thing, not until he heard something nearby. Hey, over here. It was so sudden, it made him jump and sent chills down his spine. In one sudden movement, he turned to face what he had just heard. Standing in the dark was an outline of a man only a few meters away from him. My poor cat is stuck on the roof. Can you get him down? The silhouette of a man requested. The way he spoke really freaked out my dad, but he nervously said, yes, that's why I'm here. My dad grabbed the ladder from the truck and climbed up to the roof of the place. As he did, he looked back at the man, and no surprise, he was staring up at my dad. My dad then asked him, so uh, what does your cat look like? The man just stood there, and he said that it felt like forever until the man answered him, and this is all he said. Mm, white, yes. My dad felt beyond uncomfortable at the moment. He shrugged it off and continued to climb. The roof was so small that he could see the entire thing once he got up there. He didn't need to walk around or move to see the entire thing. He flashed his torch all over it and saw nothing but leaves and dust. My dad turned around and said from the roof, I'm sorry, sir, but I can't... 
and then he paused. The man from before, he was gone. My dad turned back towards the roof and there standing before him was the old creepy man. How had he gotten up here without a ladder? Better yet, how did he do it so fast without making any noise? The man's face terrified him as well. He was smiling from ear to ear and his eyes seemed to be completely white as if they'd been consumed by cataracts. The man's smile seemed to grow with every step he took towards my father and he could see that he was holding something behind his back and that something was a machete. My father didn't have time to climb down the ladder. If his life was in danger, there was only one thing to do to get down fast enough. He jumped from the roof and with a crack, my dad's right foot was broken. The man quickly followed, but used the ladder at a slow speed. Obviously, my dad felt like an idiot. In his panic, he had done something stupid, and now he was doomed. Down the ladder, the old man walked over to my crawling dad. He placed a finger on my dad's mouth and said, Hush, it's okay. He grabbed my father by his broken ankle, sending a wave of pain throughout his body. Of course, my dad screamed, but they were miles away from civilization. He began to drag him into the old house. Just before they went through the entrance of the front door, the man stopped, still holding on to my father's foot. Then he turned towards his left, facing the nearby woods. My dad watched on in horror. The man began to speak to someone that my father couldn't see. I've done this for you. Are you happy? Is this one okay? I can find better if you like, but I try so hard. And with that, the man released his grip from my father's foot and without ever turning to face my dad again, my dad ran off, ignoring the immense amount of pain in his broken foot, climbed into the fire truck, and hauled tail out of there. He drove all the way back to the station, reflecting on everything that had just happened, and how close he came to being killed. He pulled into the station and saw his boss getting into his car. My dad basically leapt out, and started blubbering everything that had just happened. My dad's boss was confused and frightened as my father was dragging himself on the ground, gripping at his waist. After that, they drove together to the police station to file a report. The next morning, the police went out to the house and there was no one there. It looked like no one had lived there for a very long time. Now that I'm older, I think I can finally understand what happened to my family. My dad was so traumatized by the experience that he quit his job. This brought on a lot of stress that my mother wasn't ready for and their relationship began to decline. No matter what your job is, no matter what career you've chosen, each one has its dangers and you should always be careful wherever you go. Number two, 
Ghost Stalker, submitted by Cool X. This is by far one of the most creepy experiences I've ever had in my life. I was 24 when this happened, and I lived with my little pet Pomeranian. After I had graduated college and earned my associate's degree in my medical class, I decided that I would work for the local hospital in my neighborhood. I had a friend who worked with me as well. His name was Eric. Eric and I would go rush to people's needs in ambulances, load them up, perform CPR, the usual medical emergency kind of stuff. It was stressful, but it was fun, and the job was very gratifying. One day, a girl called, saying she was having a heart attack. Me and Eric were called to arrive on the scene. When we got there, we saw her lying on her driveway. We ran over to her and tried to listen for a heartbeat. We heard and felt nothing. We decided to do our procedures, but after a long while of nothing happening, we had to call it. The girl was gone. We informed the hospital of the girl's passing and with her body on the stretcher, we drove back to the hospital. That was the first person we failed to save. It was hard to move on from this, but we just told ourselves that we did our best and that she may have been gone before we ever got there. But ever since that day, ever since we couldn't save that girl, I began experiencing things. Sensations that I was never alone anymore, that feeling of someone staring holes through you, and oftentimes I'd randomly be cold on an otherwise hot day. A while after that incident, I woke up one morning to find that my dog was barking at the bathroom door that was closed. I thought nothing of it until I remembered that I had left the door open before going to bed. I drove to work a little bit nervous after that and I met up with Eric and let me tell you, Eric looked like crap. He looked like he hadn't been sleeping for days. His eyes were wide and glossy and there was a tremor in his hands, but I didn't ask about it. For all I knew, it was none of my business. We were heading out on a call that day and as we passed down the alley that we have to exit from, things got creepy. Before we ever arrived on the main road, we started to see things all around us. There were people out of the corners of our eyes in the alley. Every time I'd turn to look at them, they would be gone, but I could still see movement out of the corner of my eye. I just kept turning and looking, trying to catch whatever it was, but I would never see anything in front of me. When I looked over at Eric, I saw him doing the same thing. I wasn't the only one seeing this. On another occasion in that same alley, we saw a white tall figure with no details on it. It passed over the alley ahead of us and there was no mistaking that its figure was humanoid. It seemed to stare at us for a moment before it just faded away. Eric said that it was just a lack of sleep that the stress of the job was beginning to get to both of us, but I couldn't shake off the strong feeling of dread. But the worst was yet to come. One night, Eric and I were heading back from a call, ready to end our shift for the day. As we headed back down that alley, in front of us, we saw something else. We saw something that made us slam on the brakes 
something that made us both want to call for 911. It was a woman. She had her head down and her skin was a pale gray color. Her hands were stretched out from her sides and they ended in very, very long nails. Her dress was stained and tattered and her hair was a greasy black as if she'd never taken a shower before. Then she looked up at us, her messy hair parting out of the way as she revealed her face. All that was on her face were blood red eyes. Then came a booming scream, flooding down the alley. It was so loud, we had to cover our ears. We both began to panic. Eric was at the wheel, and all he was able to do now was mutter, make it stop, make it stop. But I was in a different kind of panic. I pulled him out of the driver's seat. I sat down in it, covering one of my ears with a free hand, and I stepped on the gas pedal. I floored it down the alley, aiming at that woman. I was scared, I was angry, I was stressed. I honestly thought we were both going to die. And just before I ran her over, I closed my eyes. I didn't feel anything. We didn't hit anything. When I opened my eyes again, slamming on the brakes, the alley was empty and we were only a few meters away from the ambulance lot. It was over. Whatever that was, it was over now. I went over to Eric to wake him up because he had completely passed out. I'll never forget what I saw when I went back there to him. He lay there in the floor, face up, hands at his sides. He was wearing a blue uniform with a white shirt underneath and on his stomach were two pools of red. He was bleeding and the wound looked bad. I tore open his shirts and revealed the wounds. They were claw marks, fresh claw marks. Don't worry, after this experience, Eric was okay, but both of us quit our jobs. I don't know what attached itself to us. I don't know what we encountered that decided to haunt us like that, but both our mental and physical health would be on the line if we continued to drive that ambulance. To this day, I hope the haunting has stopped. Then again, every so often, I still wake up to my bathroom door closed and my quiet Pomeranian barking at the closed door. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. 
With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number 3. Working at the Theater Submitted by Pokemon Lettuce How can I say this without sounding crazy? Someone is living at my movie theater, and I'm not talking about the homeless Jesus in the back, but a man that lives in the projector room and auditorium 14. When I first started working there, we had a staff leader named Eva. She insisted that every time she went upstairs, she could hear someone walking behind her but no one really took her seriously. Eva told us of a time she went upstairs into the projector room. She was turning off the projectors, and when she glanced down to the auditorium, auditorium 14, she saw a black figure standing there at the very bottom of the screen. She ran downstairs and told our closing manager that someone was still in the auditorium, but when they both went inside, there was no one there. No other customers were in the building at the time. When I was told this story, I laughed it off, just thinking that they were trying to scare the new person. I soon forgot about the stories and continued on with my time. For me, months passed by and I hadn't heard or seen anything myself, but eventually, something did happen. To tell you my experience, I have to tell you about my senior staff leader, his name is John. He's literally the only person I know that tries to scare me and the other workers all the time. When he's around, the room gets uncomfortably quiet and cold. It's scary how he can make a room stop like that, but he just loves to scare us. One night, I was watching a movie with my mom, The Good Dinosaur, I believe. It was at Auditorium 14. As we were watching the film, the emergency exit door nearby in the auditorium began to shake violently as if dozens of people were grabbing hold of it and just shaking it. Being the brave person I was, I went to check it out, but there was no one there, and as I approached, it stopped moving. And these doors don't have handles on the outside. Who was shaking that door? I decided I didn't want to stay there, so I convinced my mom that we needed to leave. We got up and went to tell the manager what happened, and he went to check it out. When I was about to leave, the closing manager called me to the back. He wanted to fix some scheduling problems. While we were working it over, the manager asked if I could run upstairs real quick to grab her phone. I was off the clock, but I didn't mind. She was a nice person and had knee surgery recently, and she was pretty old. When I arrived upstairs, it was far colder than usual. It's always warm due to the projectors, so this was pretty odd. I continued to make my way down the dark hallways to the computer room. I saw her phone and I began to reach for it, but I began to notice the awful silence and then the air around me began to chill. I immediately thought of Tom, the employee that loves to scare us, 
So I said out loud, Tom, stop, in a really playful voice, expecting him to be in there somewhere. But as I turned around, there was a humanoid form in front of me. It wasn't that dark in the room, so I should have been able to make out details of anyone that was in there. But this was a completely dark shadow of a person, like the silhouette of someone standing behind a shower curtain. I stood there for a couple of seconds, freaking out. When I was able to gather my courage, I bolted out of the room as fast as possible, and I ran downstairs. When I got to my manager, she saw I was shaking and asked what was wrong with me. I told her it was nothing, that I was just over-caffeinated. I nervously and shakily gave her her phone, then went out to the lobby where my mom was waiting. And that's when I saw Tom cleaning the lobby. He was never near the computer room. So what I saw in there, it was definitely no person. I still work at that theater. I've been working there two years now. But ever since this, I haven't gone upstairs unless all the lights were on. The last thing I want to do is be face to face with that thing again. Number four, Creepy Passengers, submitted by Samantha. I was 12 when this happened. My family was having trouble paying the bills, so my parents decided that they needed an extra job, a job that pays more than just 10 bucks an hour. Considering our area was pretty populated, I helped them apply for Uber. They accepted both my parents and their vehicles, and everything was great until one Friday night. I decided to help my mom with her work, since she barely understood the passengers. She only spoke a bit of English and mostly talked in Spanish. Anyway, we were driving to a bar when two females approached our car. We thought they were going to be our passengers, but then they just walked right past. A few moments later, a female and a male walked towards our car and then they got in. Right away, the smell of beer and vomit hit the car. Luckily, we had air fresheners inside, but the drunken passengers said that the smell of air freshener made them even more nauseous, so I had to put my window down and take out the air fresheners. <sighs> then out of nowhere, the passengers started making out and my mom either didn't care or didn't pay any attention. I was annoyed. I put on my earphones and listened to some rap music. Unfortunately, my iPod died because it had a low battery. So I just acted like I was still listening to music. Then I heard the guy in the back say that he wanted to get it on with the girl right now in the middle of an Uber ride. The female thankfully said no, then right away began to make out again and soon enough, I heard them making noises in the back, weird sexual noises. Finally, my mom actually noticed and told them to stop that a child was in the car, but this infuriated the man. I saw his face through the rear view. I will never forget that expression of sheer hatred. Then he lunged forward, pulled out a knife, and held it against my mom's throat. In English, he spoke, saying that he would kill her if she tried to tell him what to do again. I was crying and facing towards them 
and that's when I noticed they had several large bags at their feet in the back seat. The man sat back and put his knife away, then continued to kiss the female. I was still crying, and my mom shook her head at me, basically telling me to stay strong and that this would be over soon. I know she didn't want to put me in danger, but I know she knew we needed the money, and just before we reached our destination, I heard them talking from the back seat, talking about taking the kid and selling him. Luckily, they got out of the car without incident, and they actually paid cash. It was the weirdest and scariest moment of my life. You know what really puts the icing on the cake, though? The next day, we saw their faces on the news. They were going to jail because they had just robbed a bank the previous day. Did we give them a ride? Were we their getaway car? And were those bags filled with money? And number five, Ghost likes to sing along to the radio. Submitted by Coffee and Medication. I've been a loan officer for a finance company for a while now. It's a small office of just four ladies, including me. We have never experienced anything in the office for as long as any of us have been there, but we all agree that this place with the lights turned off is quite creepy. I think we'd all prefer not to be alone after closing time. We all have the same schedule here, five full-time days a week, but we're open every Saturday for only three hours, and only one person is assigned to keep after the office. We all take turns doing this, all of us doing it once a month. Even though I'm the newer employee, I seem to notice one thing that the rest of the women don't, that sometimes there's an extra voice singing to the radio. It's very low and childlike, only singing a couple of words at a time to popular songs, Every time I'd hear it, I'd look around the office like a paranoid tweaker, trying to catch the other women singing along to a verse. And in the end, I'd just end up looking dumb because none of them ever pay attention to the music. After a while, I gave up and I began to appreciate that the ghost knows 80s music. My Saturday to work comes, so I was going to be in the office for three hours alone. Honestly, I was kind of looking forward to it because I can catch up on my work in peace and quiet and browse my cell phone as I please. I have the radio on very softly so I can hear my YouTube video while also having some background noise. As the next song began to play on the radio, something happened that I'd never seen before or heard, I mean. The radio switched off by itself. I was confused so I paused my YouTube video and listened. I wasn't imagining things. The radio was now off. I walked over to it to make sure it was still plugged into the wall. It was completely plugged in. The power button was still clicked in too. So why did it stop playing music? I told myself that it probably just finally died. And as I walked back to my desk, thinking about how we had to buy a new radio, my sliding desk chair is flung across the room, and I mean suddenly and violently. Like zero to a hundred in 0.1 seconds, it crashes into another desk 
all the papers on top flying into the floor from the crash, and I'm just standing there frozen with goosebumps all over my skin. After a literal 10 minutes of standing there, waiting for something worse to happen, I go over and grab my desk chair, put it back where it was, and begin to pick up the papers. The rest of that shift passed by quietly. I didn't turn on any YouTube. I didn't turn on another radio. I just did my work and I left. Before, the office ghost had been cool, but now the thought of it is kind of scary. All I can say is, office ghost, I hope you continue to rock on, but you really need to chill before someone gets hurt. The intercom switches off. Everything goes quiet once more. Are you really alone in the restaurant? Why were you told these chilling stories? If you were on edge before, you're quaking now. You just want to go home. You just want to crawl into your bed and sleep this nightmare away. But something is keeping you inside the building. Something has locked you in here. And then the whispering erupts around you. It's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. There are hundreds of different voices, voices you can't understand, voices that seem to be in pain. Why did I come into work today? You ask yourself as the shadows begin to envelop the corners of your eyes. Am I going to die working for minimum wage? Your vision begins to go dark. Will my soul be trapped in this place forever? With the smells of cheap meat and stale french fries filling your nose, you collapse onto the floor. The last thing you see is the eerily calm outside world, just behind a thin glass door only a few feet away. And the last thing you feel is a thick layer of old grease, grease that's been trampled on by hundreds of strangers' feet against your skin. 